This is VOA News. Reporting via remote, I'm Jeff Custer. Reports from Ukraine say Ukrainian and Russian forces are engaged in intense fighting in the city of Severodonetsk Monday, with each side controlling about half of the industrial eastern city and the situation changing by changing hour to hour. While Russian forces have the numerical advantage, Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky said his fighters have every chance to fight back and regain, regain ground after a regional official earlier reported the Ukrainians had lost their edge. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov has warned that the, the West that, that, uh, warned the West if it provides Ukraine with long-range rockets, Moscow will respond by taking over larger areas of Ukraine. Russian President Vladimir Putin made a similar threat Sunday, which coincided with rocket attacks on the capital, Kiev, the thir- first such attacks in weeks. On Monday, meanwhile, the British government uh, it, it, uh, announced it's offering Ukraine rocket systems that will bring a significant boost in capability for the country's efforts to resist the Russian invasion. Reporter Anna Chernikova told VOA the British rockets were welcome news to Ukrainian officials who, she says, will not be deterred from asking for weapons by rocket attacks. We are talking about multiple rocket launchers, which can hit targets up to 80 kilometers, and this makes uh, Russian officials very nervous. Uh, However, this is one of the most important um, equipment that Ukrainian officials and Ukrainian military is asking for, and I think that... um, uh, well, it looks that no, you know, n- no missile attacks by Russia could change this uh, um, in terms of Ukraine asking for these weapons and, well, hopefully um, partners giving it. So Ukraine would definite, would not definitely stop asking for it just because uh, there are another missile attack this is VOA. on Kiev or any other city. We are talking about multiple... This is VOA News. Authorities in Nigeria's southwestern Andu state say the gunman who killed 50 people at a church Sunday opened fire both inside and outside the building in a coordinated attack before escaping. In an interview with the Associated Press, Father Vincent Anandi, a priest at St. Francis Catholic Church, says worshippers ran to a room used by priests known as a sacristy to escape the attackers who, he said, also used explosives as well as guns. Everybody in the church, in the church, were all running towards the sacristy, and by that time they had come in to gain entrance into the church and were shooting sporadically, and then also using the hand device, you know, explosive, throwing it towards the sanctuary because that was area where everybody was running into. Although Nigerian security forces have not yet identified who carried out Sunday's attack on the Catholic Church in the town of Owo uh, in a relatively peaceful Ando state, analysts suggested they came from elsewhere in the West African nation, which is plagued by violence from various armed groups, kidnappers, and extremists. A Nigerian Islamic support group suggested the attackers may have been members of the Boko Haram extremist group. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson will face a no-confidence vote later Monday that could oust him from power. Discontent with his rule among members of his own conservative party is finally threatening to topple a politician who has often seemed at times to be invincible despite many scandals. Johnson, long known for his ability to connect with voters, has recently struggled to get beyond revelations that he and his staff repeatedly held alcohol-fueled parties during a time when tough COVID-19 restrictions were imposed on the rest of the nation. Most political observers think he will defeat the challenge when the vote is held later month and he will remain prime minister. The White House said Monday U.S. President Joe Biden has waived tariffs on solar panels from four Southeast Asian nations for two years and invoked the Defense Production Act to spur solar panel manufacturing at home. 
The tariff exemption applies to panels from Cambodia, Malaysia, Thailand, and Vietnam and will serve as a bridge while U.S. manufacturing for solar panels ramps up. Shares in polar solar companies climbed after a Reuters news agency report earlier said that Biden would issue the proclamation that ensured panels accounting for some 80 percent of U.S. imports did not face tariffs of as, as much as 250 percent, which could have been levied retroactively as part of a Commerce Department investigation. The move comes in response to concern about freezing of solar panels nationwide and the impact on the fight against climate change from after the investigation into whether the solar panels were imports from four countries were circumventing tariffs on goods made in China. Repeating this hour's top story, reports from Ukraine say Ukrainian Russian forces are engaged in intense fighting over the city of Zerodonetsk. From Washington, VOA presents Issues in the News. Hello and welcome to Issues in the News. I'm Kim Lewis and joining me on the panel this week are VOA senior diplomatic correspondent Cindy Sane and Moment Magazine contributor Dan Ravid. Welcome Cindy and Dan. Thank you. Pleasure to be with you. Well, here are the issues. President Biden confirmed the U.S. will provide Ukraine with more advanced rocket systems and munitions as part of U.S. efforts to help Ukraine fight against a Russian invasion now in its fourth month. Biden said these weapons are only meant for Ukraine's forces to inflict casualties within the country, and the U.S. isn't encouraging or enabling the country to strike beyond its borders. EU leaders wrapped up a two-day summit addressing concerns over energy, defense, and food security in Ukraine after agreeing to a watered-down embargo on Russian oil imports and to send nearly $10 billion in aid to Ukraine. President Biden met with Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell to discuss the administration's plan to combat rising inflation, which Biden said has become his top domestic priority. As November's midterm elections are approaching, voters say inflation and the economy are their top concerns. Well, House Democrats moved to advance gun violence legislation after recent mass shootings. The latest string of massacres has intensified pressure on Congress to enact legislation that keeps guns out of dangerous hands and fortifies vulnerable public settings such as schools. The Justice Department asked a federal appeals court to overturn last month's decision by a federal judge that declared the mandate requiring masks on airplanes and other public transportation unlawful. Well, those are the issues, and let's get started. Well, Cindy, the U.S. says it will provide Ukraine with more advanced rocket systems and munitions. Well, these weapons will be some of the most advanced equipment that the West has supplied Ukraine with. Moscow has taken notice. So will this provoke a harsh response from Russia? Well, Kim, I really don't think that is likely. We've sort of seen the U.S. and its NATO allies saying that, you know, they're reluctant to do something, including the U.S. was providing shorter range rockets and saying that should be enough. And President Biden just a couple of days ago said that they were not going to provide Ukraine with missile systems that could strike inside Russia. And then just a couple of days later, we have a 
change of heart to some degree from President Biden, saying we will provide these medium range missiles, which can strike targets about 70 to 80 kilometers away to help Ukraine more precisely strike targets on the battlefield. And Secretary Blinken was quick to clarify and explain that they had received assurances from Kyiv that these missiles would not be used to strike targets inside Russia. So the argument of the administration is, you know, we're seeing that Russian advances in the east and just continuing to pound and continuing to destroy cities in Ukraine and that President Biden and Secretary Blinken have said, yes, of course, we know ultimately most wars end at the negotiating table. But what happens at the negotiating table directly depends on the situation on the ground with who's winning and who's conquering what territory. So the U.S. and other Western allies just want to help Ukraine defend itself and put it in the strongest possible position at the negotiating table. Cindy, I was really struck that uh, President Biden made those points in an article that he wrote that was published in the New York Times. Obviously, the president felt that he had to explain to the American people, to readers all around the world, as to why the United States is continuing to deliver weapons to Ukraine. He wrote that it was not to make the war longer, to prolong the war, it was not in effect to kill Russians. And you're right, he actually wrote that he wants Ukraine to be in the strongest possible position at the negotiating table. So everyone is looking forward to this war ending through negotiations, though right now, of course, there's no sign of negotiations. So I feel that the United States and the allies in NATO just definitely decided to take sides. Ever since Russia invaded Ukraine on February 24th, it's now been more than three months, longer than the general public expected in the Western countries. And that's why I think President Biden had to explain to Americans why it's worth doing this. Many Americans feel that the current wave of inflation, right, prices going up on fuel, for instance, can be traced back to this war in Ukraine. And there are critics who say that by continuing to aid Ukraine's military, the war is longer than it needs to be. So more people are dying, Ukrainians and Russian soldiers, and the economy is suffering in the United States and other countries. But I'd have to say that the White House is standing very firm on that, saying it's worth it, even as Congress fully approved, both Republicans and Democrats, $40 billion of aid to Ukraine, about half of it military and half humanitarian. Right, Dan. And actually, Secretary Blinken has been asked this question repeatedly. Aren't you afraid that these providing more advanced rocket systems could, you know, escalate and this could turn into a broader, you know, a world war even? And he said, look, it is not Ukraine that invaded Russia. It's the other way around. We have almost 100 days of death and destruction by Russian forces. And there are some who are arguing, well, the West should stop helping Ukraine and Ukraine should make territory concessions. But the fact is that 20% of Ukraine's territory is under Russian control right now. Almost 12 million people have been driven from their homes inside Ukraine and more than 5 million more have fled abroad. If you could ask yourself, like we as Americans, what territory would we want to give up and see its people killed and bombed into rubble? Secretary Blinken also said that the peace talks have not stalled because Ukraine doesn't want to. It's just that Russia is trying to take as much territory 
as possible. And Dan is right that the U.S. and Western countries have decided to let Putin just completely unprovoked attack a sovereign country and try to take its territory. That sets a precedent if the U.S. and the West stand by and watch that would be much more costly in the long run. And here are the words of uh, President Joe Biden late in that article I mentioned in the New York Times. He wrote, Americans will stay the course with the Ukrainian people because we understand that freedom is not free. That's what we have always done whenever the enemies of freedom seek to bully and oppress innocent people. And it is what we are doing now. So Biden says it's principle. And the uh, former President Donald Trump only in the past week or so suggested that it's a waste of money and the U.S. government has better things to spend its money on. Well, and also EU leaders have agreed on a plan to block more than two-thirds of Russian oil imports as part of new punitive measures against Russia. The move would effectively cut around 90% of oil imports from Russia to the bloc by the end of the year. While Ukraine, they applaud this move, but it's also going to affect other countries and possibly the U.S. as well. Oh, it's really quite astounding. It means that European leaders decided that they can take some pain because the price of energy in most of Europe has already gone up a lot and will probably continue to go up because, frankly, a lot of energy was purchased from Russia. Now, it's not all being banned. There are exceptions to this ban, but still, it's a strong symbol. It should hurt Russia's economy, though Russia says it'll now sell its oil and natural gas in other markets and other parts of the world are still buying from Russia. Still a strong symbol in which apparently people in most Western European countries and Central Europe are willing to take this pain. An exception, by the way, is Hungary. Hungary said this is too much pain. And the leader of that country said he didn't want to take part in a ban at all. Yes, one crucial country in this is Germany, and I was just there recently, and, you know, Americans are complaining about the very high gas prices here. Well, in Germany, they're uh, about twice as high. Dan is right. This is going to cause some pain, but I think, as we were saying, countries have realized that every time they're buying Russian oil and natural gas, they are subsidizing Putin's war machine. So they have realized that the West has to stand together on this. Well, here in the U.S., President Biden is working to combat inflation, which he says is now his top domestic priority. Gas and food prices, they continue to rise. And he says the war in Ukraine and supply chain problems are to blame. Voters looking at the upcoming midterm elections say inflation and the economy are their top concerns. So what is the strategy now between now and November to address inflation? Well, the most visible set of steps is being taken by the central bank in this country, the Federal Reserve. And the Federal Reserve made it clear it's going to continue raising interest rates that were near zero for the past more than 10 years. So America's economy was rising, the stock market was rising, but in recent months, as prices were rising for consumers, the Fed, the Federal Reserve, decided it has to stop that. And so we're going to see uh, interest rates going up. We will see, it's expected, a slowdown in the economy, but all in the name of slowing inflation. And so President Biden thought he very visibly should meet with the head of the 
Federal Reserve, Jay Powell, and the president wants to show that he's involved. He, he wrote that tackling inflation, this is the president, is his top economic priority. So he's really agreeing with what voters are saying to the opinion polls. Yes, and also Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen acknowledged that it was wrong to downplay the threat of rising inflation last year. And it appears the secretary's admission is the most direct concession yet from the White House that officials failed to grasp the scale of inflation that would come as the U.S. is recovering from the coronavirus pandemic. Is inflation going to continue to spiral out of control? Most economists are saying, no, inflation won't spiral out of control. And by the way, it rose to 8% after years of being below 2%. And so the Fed is trying to get it back down below 3% if they possibly can. That won't happen this year, but economists say inflation is likely to go down during the year. But there's a big political impact here. It won't go down by a lot by November the midterm elections, when a new Congress will be elected. There is such a wide expectation that President Biden's party, the Democrats, will do badly in November, may lose control of the House of Representatives, may lose control of the United States Senate. And this is one of the reasons, especially when you have someone like Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen saying that she was wrong to downplay the threat of inflation, or President Biden the other day saying that he wasn't aware early enough that there would be a shortage of baby formula when one of the largest manufacturers in the United States had a problem with its factory and had to shut down. This notion that the Biden administration isn't running things in a competent way is likely to hurt the Democrats in the midterm elections. Right. And I think Dan is right that the political impact is very important. And the White House knows that. Some polls show that President Biden's approval rating has fallen to around 36 percent is the lowest of his presidency. And every Everyone is talking just on the street and people you meet at the grocery store or whatever are talking about the high gas prices. Even though a typical family spends less than 3% of its budget on gas, it has a huge psychological impact. And the White House is going on a media blitz, basically trying to distract from the high gas prices and hoping that, you know, maybe if China gets its COVID better under control, that some other prices, food prices and other prices may go down. But as Dan said, at the moment, things are not looking good for uh, Democrats' prospects in the November elections. It's time now for a quick break. And when we come back, Democrats push for more gun control legislation. Issues in the News is coming to you from the Voice of America in Washington. If you would like to download the program, it's free on iTunes. Just click on the iTunes tab on our website at voanews.com. While you're there, check out our other programs, Press Conference USA and Encounter. Also visit us on Facebook and leave a comment or two. Then like us at Current Affairs with Carol Castiel. Now back to our panel via Skype, VOA Senior Diplomatic Correspondent Cindy Sane and Moment Magazine contributor Dan Ravive. Well, given the recent mass shootings, including the one in Tulsa, Oklahoma, lawmakers are quickly working to enact new gun control legislation. While many Republicans have advocated for securing schools with armed guards or other extra safety measures, Democrats have called for immediate gun control. Given all these issues involved with gun control and gun violence, are lawmakers on the right track with more gun control legislation? 
The political pressure is immense after the most recent mass shootings. I'd say especially the killing at the elementary school in Uvalde, Texas. 19 children and two teachers shot dead there. And just before that, a man who stormed a supermarket in Buffalo, New York and killed 10 people, that was racially motivated. The man hated black people. So whatever the reason for the attacks, Congress would like to do something if Democrats and Republicans can agree, which is rare when it comes to guns. In general, the Republican Party does not want regulations of guns, and in general, Democrats do. That's in general. Now, the Democrats still control the House of Representatives, and they are suggesting as many as eight pieces of legislation. One of them, by the way, would increase the age for legally buying a semi-automatic rifle. Instead of age 18, it would be age 21. Also a bill that would prohibit selling what are called high-capacity clips or magazines. Anything that contains more than seven or eight bullets would be banned. Right now, there's no limit. People have dozens and dozens of bullets and don't even have to stop to reload the gun as they keep shooting. And also more punishments for gun trafficking and for keeping your firearms at home without locking them up. You know, those are what Democrats call reasonable gun safety measures. Some Republicans say they could consider some of it. So maybe this time something will happen in Congress. Yes, it's a very heavy lift and a lot of parents, some of them are even thinking about taking their children out of public schools because they're so worried. But we see that supermarkets aren't safe, hospitals aren't safe. Many would say that it's a real epidemic of gun violence in the United States. And they would point to other countries where there's not this access, especially to assault weapons, where they do not have these mass shootings and they don't have this death toll of people each year. But Senator Chris Murphy, a Democrat, has been working ever since the Sandy Hook massacre in 2012, has been working very hard to try to get some kind of legislation through the Senate, whereas we know there's basically a 50-50 draw and it takes 60 votes to pass. So he has been meeting with some, a few Republicans, Senator Susan Collins, a couple of others, and at least there are some talks, which in this political climate is rare to get any Republicans talking about gun control measures. The National Rifle Association recently had its large convention in Houston, Texas, and almost all the leaders of the NRA and Republican politicians who came to speak to them said that the focus actually needs to be on better security at schools. And I'm sure they would say it also about hospitals and theaters. They also have a phrase that former President Trump said at that convention that the answer to a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Now, so of course, that so-called gun lobby, the NRA, supports having more guns in the hands of citizens. That's all based on the Second Amendment to the US Constitution that says that American citizens will have the right to bear arms and that right should not be infringed. And that is just one side of the argument. And they say mental illness is the big problem in this country. Whereas, as I say, Democrats almost overwhelmingly say that there are too many guns and they're looking for a way to reduce that. Yes, and in your mention of mental health issues here in the U.S., there are others in society who say that there is a need to focus on addressing these other issues that go along with all the violence, including mental health issues, the role of social media in terms of reporting 
posts that appear to be a warning sign of impending danger. But then you have to look at who is going to be responsible for addressing these issues. Well, it's a matter of leadership. One expects at a time of crisis that whoever is the president will get involved himself, will have his top officials working on this, even if it's five or six different aspects of gun violence, just to show again the leadership and the activism. Now, President Biden visited Buffalo, visited Uvalde, Texas, expressed his concern as a heartfelt person, said that he will take action, but we'll have to see what actually can get done. The heartbreaking scenes that played out for over an hour at the elementary school in Uvalde, Texas, show that policemen did not go into the room where this person, apparently armed, you know, assault rifle and all kinds of ammunition, even armed policemen did not go in. So this argument of, oh, teachers should be armed or others should be armed, I think pretty much goes by the wayside if we see that not even policemen went in to confront this armed gunman. Most Democrats would argue that there are mental health issues in other countries as well. The United States doesn't have a monopoly on that. And I think it's the combination of the mental health problems along with these access to really weapons of war, assault rifles. You know, there are some laws that would at least take guns away from people who might want to harm others or themselves. And maybe that's like a lowest common denominator thing that lawmakers could agree on. And President Biden can work on things, he can lobby in Congress, but basically it's Congress that would have to act. It's all a tragedy and something of great national concern right now, but somehow here in the United States, often within a few months, it gets forgotten until the next incident. Absolutely. Well, let's move on to our last topic. The Justice Department said that it would appeal U.S. District Judge Catherine Kimball Mazel's decision to strike down the CDC's mask mandate for public transportation. So in looking at this, what really is the DOJ trying to do? Are they trying to get the mask mandate reinstated? Health experts in the federal government feel that if more people would wear masks, especially indoors, when shopping, for instance, that would reduce the spread of COVID-19. They say it's still a problem. The number of cases in the United States has gone up. Thankfully, hospitals are not being inundated and paralyzed by COVID patients. And that is believed to be because of vaccinations. People are getting the shots. There seems to be a rapid move toward approving vaccinations, even for children under the age of five here in the United States. And yet, on the other hand, some point to a recent report in the New York Times that said that cities that did make wearing masks mandatory did not have better results than other cities where they didn't bother to impose mask restrictions. So it's almost a bit of a mystery, and this COVID-19 and its various variants seems to get through mask mandates. Again, for most people, the cases, the illnesses are not very severe, and therefore it's not seen as a big crisis. And public opinion polls here in the United States show that COVID-19 is way down the list of concerns. Americans want to believe it is practically over, whether that's practical or not. But the federal government wants the right, at least, to mandate wearing a mask, for instance, in airplanes and public transportation, because they think that's the responsible thing to do when there is a pandemic. 
Right. And as Dan said, I saw one opinion survey where one in three Americans believes that the COVID-19 epidemic is over in the United States. And the numbers just do not bear that out. The COVID epidemic is not over. And we're seeing in many areas, including Washington, D.C., the transmission rates are going up. And we just never know how it's going to affect different people. There is this long COVID, which is, you know, is, is devastating for a lot of people. You know, it is a very real thing to deal with. Although there again, and I like to sort of look at internationally and see how other countries are doing things. The U.S. is not the only country which has gotten rid of mask mandates on public transportation, like the U.K. and some other countries have also gotten rid of the mandate. So this is a global problem that countries are wrestling with and trying to deal with as we still have variants and subvariants. Researchers are expecting an increase in COVID cases as we move more into the summer. So maybe this issue of masking and mask mandates may also continue throughout the summer. Well, despite the fact that national health officials here say, please get vaccinated, and about three quarters of Americans have been vaccinated, and then the officials say, and go back again and get boosted. Some Americans complain the advice seems to be confusing, and some think that maybe the vaccine can be dangerous, and a lot of parents say they won't vaccinate their kids. But to be frank, a lot of parents have been looking forward to this clearance of the vaccine for kids saying, wow, great, my children can be safe as they return to school. There are a lot of different feelings. The pandemic confused people, concerned people, and of course is blamed for one million deaths here in the United States. And we'll have to end the show on that note as we are out of time. My thanks go to our panelist, VOA Senior Diplomatic Correspondent Cindy Sane and Moment Magazine contributor Dan Revive. I'm Kim Lewis, and on a programming note, we have moved our programs to a new website, voaafrica.com. There you will find all your favorite VOA radio and TV programs and a whole lot more. Find us on voaafrica.com. And thanks for listening to Issues in the News. Thank you.